Guardian Unlimited. Uh, good morning and welcome to the second of the Guardian's daily podcasts from the Labour Conference in Manchester. With me at the Palace Hotel are two guests with very different verdicts on yesterday's speech by Gordon Brown. Ed Balls is the Chancellor's economic advisor of 11 years standing until he was elected MP for Normanton last year. He's still at his right hand as economic secretary to the Treasury. He's also incidentally married to Yvette Cooper, MP for neighbouring Pontefract and Minister for Housing and Planning. Also with me, not married to either of them, is Larry Elliott, the Guardian's economics editor. Ed, a uh, few people in or outside Westminster know Gordon's thinking better than you do. You'll no doubt have advised him on this speech, routinely described as the speech of his life. How many of them has he made, I wonder? Uh, but this year was he didn't talk much as he usually does about the proud economic record of the Chancellor over the last nine years. He did mention independence of the Bank of England, a decision you and he are, he are said to have planned 36 hours before uh, Labour's victory in 1997. I emphasise the word said. Uh, and we heard more about the Good Society instead. Uh, deliberate change of tone there. What were you trying to do and was it a success? I think he was speaking to the party and to the country. And in a televisual age, you've got to both come across well in the hall and also make sense down the television wires. And um, I think he did pull that off yesterday. It was a speech which I think people would say had a range and a breadth which few politicians in Britain could match. I mean, he was ranging from Darfur through foreign policy um, um, and the fight against terrorism to the economy. I think it was, um, I think it was really successful in the hall. Clearly, the media headlines today um, are not really about the substance. Um, I guess I would say that on Sunday... The, the MPs beat the press at football, but yesterday the press beat politics um, um, in getting to the story. Well, you see, people were asking me about that last night, and delegates were cross with the press and said, how can this remark uh, you know, have disproportionate impact? And I said, well, uh, you know, there is a battle. Somebody had said to me earlier in the day, this week it's going to be Brown and Blair versus the media. Uh, and I said, fair point, we always write ourselves out of the script, it's really a three-sided battle, but then nobody thought of Mrs Blair, because ministers seem to me have been very disciplined this week, and ministers are doing their best, and they forgot what we all assume, uh, and I'm not asking you to uh, give us your opinion unless you want to, most of us assume Mrs Blair said it, because that's the sort of thing she says, and it was careless, but it wasn't really our fault. I have no idea what happened, I absolutely don't blame you for writing what was clearly um, a story. And um, the process of that whole story took over um, in the afternoon. I think what the politicians wanted to do was to talk to people out there about the big issues which we face as a society. And what Gordon wanted to do was both to show more of himself. Yep. Um, it was um, and I am who I am kind of speech. I think he was very honest about his distaste for, cel for celebrity politics and his desire to focus on values and on, um, and on service rather than... I, I never feel he's comfortable making these big, big set piece speeches. He'd be much happier back in his office, office working. But I also <laughs> thought after Mrs. Mrs. Blair's intervention, maybe this will get more sympathy for him and also more attention for the speech. And you know, it may rebound to your favour, Larry. Uh, uh, what do you think about all that? You've um, uh, you've um, written a lot about budget speeches and Gordon Brown speeches over the years. Yeah, it wasn't um, it wasn't a vintage uh, Gordon speech. I didn't think. I mean, I've been to. Uh, Gordon's speeches, which have sent sort of prickles up the back of my neck, you know, some of his speeches on um, poverty and international development. <coughs> but that, that wasn't one of them. It was more like um, Gordon as a football team going to Europe and, and, and looking for a, a solid performance and coming away with an away goal. It, it was very quite careful, 
quite cautious, got lots of men behind the ball, left no hostages to fortune at all. And I, th- I, mean, I, I, I would have given it sort of six, six out of ten. I think it, 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 it was, it was, it was not vintage, but it, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't meant to be. I don't think. I think it, it was, it was meant to be cautious and careful, and that's what it was. It didn't, it wasn't one of those, those, those brown speeches that you came away thinking, my God, you know, that, that, that was, that, that, that was, that was why I, I think the way I do, which some of, some of them do. Presumably, Ed, um, a sort of scoring draw uh, was good enough to stay with uh, Larry's analogy. Incidentally, European football, indeed, he didn't mention Europe, but. Uh, the if he'd gone for the applause, and some of us got the impression he was deliberately sort of avoiding excessive applause, then he'd have been accused of grandstanding all the usual stuff and trying to upstage Blair. And uh, he just wanted to, as you say, cover the uh, uh, cover the bases. Did he give us enough detail? I wonder. Um, in the hall, I thought people felt there was a lot um, of meat, a lot of um, um, stuff to get their teeth into. I'm not sure about an away goal, and he said he wasn't looking for an own goal. What he was looking for was to show people that there is vision, that there is vision based on values, and also there are big choices in British politics for our country to make, whether it's on the environment, whether it's on investing in education, whether it's, whether it's on the way in which we involve Parliament in, in decisions about war or the fight against terrorism. These are difficult issues. And I think what he was saying was that if, that, that if what you want from your politics is <coughs> character, leadership, values, a commitment to the long term, then that's what he offers. If, on the other hand, it's about um, simply image and celebrity, then he's not that kind of politician, and he's never going to be. And I think probably the choice which we're going to see in the next two or three years taken is whether people want entertainment from politics alone, or whether actually they think it's about something more important than that. And um, personally, I think that... Um, well, they respond differently to different leaders, don't they, if they see what they think is authentic. They know that... Gordon Brown isn't showbiz, but on the other hand, they want sort of leadership and style yeah. and, and, and grace, and that will evolve when he's get the job. Everybody yeah. says, you never know what it's like being a leader until you've been a leader. John Smith used to say that, John Major, yeah. even Margaret Thatcher probably. Uh, it's different from everything you've done before. It's, it's completely different, and I think he's been seeing in the last couple of weeks a, a, um, a degree and intensity of exposure, which he's not experienced before. But let's not also forget that in the general election campaign, he was up there with Tony Blair every day. It was almost like he was, um, um, he was suffering the same pressure as um, a party leader. And the reason was because he was the person with Tony Blair who could reach out to the public and say, trust us on the big issues. And the reason why, through the election campaign, we strengthened the polls, and the reason why we won a majority was because of the role he played in the general election, and that was a deliberate decision that Gordon Brown needed to be there, so, you know. Well, yeah, yeah I'm sure Blair will say that this afternoon, it's been a good partnership. Um, uh, Larry, Gordon Brown once joked himself that there are two types of chancellors, the, the, the lucky ones who get out in time, and the others... Doesn't say that uh, very much these uh, days. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. you, you, in your Guardian column this week, raised the possibility that uh, 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 the British people's appetite for debt... Uh, uh, personal and uh, uh, corporate will be Brown's downfall, or could be, also possibly a threat to David Cameron. Can you uh, explain what you yeah, mean I mean, I think that? that debt is the Achilles heel of the economy. I think that you know, Gordon's, Gordon's right, Ed's right, that the economy looks very good. I mean, That uh, we're all over gear. Credit card debt, houses, I, I the think, works. I think uh, to an extent we've built the prosperity on, on funny money, um, and if interest rates start to go up, as, the, as, as they are already, um, a lot of people could find themselves... Uh, in some in some uh, hot water, but I, but I think paradoxically that the problem from that would be bigger for David Cameron than it would be for Gordon Brown because actually I don't see David Cameron as the new 
Tony Blair, I see David Cameron as the new Neil Kinnock. And I think that what happened in the 1992 election was that in, in a really tough economic climate, people looked to the party that they could trust and the people they could trust, and they didn't trust Labour in 1992. And I think if things started to get a bit dicey now, people would be much more likely to turn to someone they can trust, Gordon, than to someone who they think is probably a bit of a fair-weather politician, Cameron. Just in case young people uh, listening to this podcast, Neil Kinnock was really John the Baptist. He was the man who led his exactly. party in the right direction but didn't get there. We've been looking for a Tory, uh, Neil Kinnock, for years. We thought it was William Hague. If you're telling me Cameron's uh, uh, the new Neil Kinnock, my head's going to be in... Uh, in office for years. I think that that what Cameron is doing is is trying to actually bring the Tory party back to the centre ground, which is what Neil Kinnock did in the 1980s for Labour. I think he's actually, Cameron is much less far down the road than a lot of commentators give him credit for, than a lot of of what he's doing is sort of um, sprucing up the Tory party image in the way that um, Neil Kinnock did in the late 1980s. I I don't actually think that when the the chips are down, and this is why I'm, I'm not really that taken by the opinion polls, I actually think when the chips are down, and if, certainly if the chips are down when the economy was, was going through a, a bad patch, as it may well do on, a, on the global front, people are much more likely to go for a person of substance than a man of image, and I think yeah. Cameron's a man of image rather The late John Smith, the Labour leader who died once, said to me, it's very difficult for a Labour government to be elected in a recession. It needs a surge of optimism, which is why the Tories perhaps got re-elected in 92. Well, um, on that particular point, I think we've actually changed... Uh, that fact. And on the one hand, if the economy is doing less well, then the question becomes, as Larry said, who do you trust to take the difficult decisions? And the fact is these days, we saw it in the election campaign, these days it is Labour and Gordon Brown as Chancellor who is trusted on the economy and trusted in the difficult times as well as the, the good well, that times. that was one of his pluses in our poll uh, last exactly. week. They weren't all pluses, but that was one of them. But on the other hand, for progressive politics, whether you're talking about tackling poverty in Britain or abroad, whether you're talking about tackling climate change, whether you're talking about um, trying to get opportunities for people to fulfil their potential, it's much easier to set out that kind of agenda and galvanise and conjole and build a consensus for government action for progressive goals when the economy is doing well. So I think for the future of our country, I really hope we have an optimistic election campaign. OK, progressive goals, uh, a government action. You've mentioned several times the environmental section of the Chancellor's speech. At a fringe meeting I chaired in Manchester last night, somebody asked Neil Kinnock what was the absolute priority of the new government, and he said it's got to be climate change. You've got to persuade us all that it's really urgent and we've got to do it fast. Somebody listening to the Chancellor's speech said that was terrific, old Whitehall uh, operator, as long as he means it, because the Treasury's always put growth before uh, 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 green issues, which sometimes act as a constraint on growth. Now, tell people why it's going to be different from here on. I think it'll be different because Gordon Brown is a doer. And the question on climate change is have we got the will to act? And there are things which we can do in our own lives, and we should. But it's also important that we act. Um, as a national government, and in particular in in cooperation with our international partners. And the only way we'll solve climate change is by European governments coming together and forging a collective sense of purpose. And that's why I think that the environment will be a big problem for David Cameron because of his anti-Europeanism. The fact is his party is committed to withdrawing from the mainstream of Europe, and there is no way in which you can have action on the environment unless you cooperate with European governments and believe that governments can make a difference. And you can have all of the spin and the photo opportunities. The question people will ask is, what would you do? And they know that Gordon Brown acts, and at the moment David Cameron is not offering anything other than image. Larry. Last week, the Liberal Democrats put forward a very striking package in this uh, uh, context. 
uh, of uh, green taxes and stresses more than Ed Bulls has just done the need to persuade individuals to make differences on the margins by what they do uh, you know, in their own lives. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I thought sophisticated stuff, but will it fly? What was your take on that? I thought that was interesting what the Lib Dems were offering. I think that you know, if, if, if the if the government really means to take action on the environment. It has to actually change the tax That's system. That's going after gas guzzlers more than Mr. Brown did exactly. in his last Going after aircraft tax. I think, I think there's yeah. a problem. I think there's, there, there are two tensions. One's the tension between the environment and politics, which is that actually some of the things that need to be done in the environment are actually politically unpopular, yeah. such as putting up uh, putting up excise duties on petrol and putting petrol through a pound a litre. And the other tension is between uh, the environment and economics. I mean, there, there is an economic case for having a new runway at Heathrow or expanding Stansted. But is there, what, what's the environmental case for that? Yeah. I mean, is, is, is no, it, Ed Balls is trying to get in here. Yeah, well, I, um, 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 only to say, here we are in Michael White's uh, bedroom. He has taken his towels from the floor and hung them up. A contribution How did you to know tackling global warming. Minister. How did you know tackling that? global warming? You're right. Which I is, did it, and which, that's which why is, I did which it. Which is great. It's and very I've only important. got one light on. I've only got one light on. And it's uh, very important. And we should all make our contribution. And I actually think, in terms of educating our children, the way in which we run our lives is very important. But it's not going to be enough simply relying upon individual effort. You've got to also have collective endeavour. You've got to decide. For example, as a national society, we will have an energy tax. Um, a climate change levy and support it, and that internationally we will act together to tackle emissions well, through trading point? systems. Yeah. And, and the problem the Conservatives have got is that they fundamentally don't believe in government and in acting in the public interest. They would, they would rather sure. withdraw, which is why they've consistently opposed the climate change levy, and it's why they have consistently been um, opposed to all the European actions which we've taken to tackle the environment. And you've got to judge it on substance, Michael, rather than simply whether you pick up your towels. I think that um, Labour's come, Gordon's come a bit late to this issue. I mean, for, for a long time, for at least two, two, two terms, he's said, you know, health, health, we can sort that, the government can sort health for you. You know, we can do things, we can raise taxes to spend more mm. on health. Education, the government can sort education, it can do all these things to education. He hasn't, hasn't been saying that consistently on on green issues, and it's quite kind of interesting that now the, the, the focus is on what individuals should do as much as on what the government should do. I'd be quite interested to see a bit more of this environmental stuff fleshed out, for, and, and for Gordon to say what he actually sees the role of the government in all this, because the government is a big player through the tax system, through the planning system, and there are big issues that the public have a right to know what the government's line is before it's actually going to say, well, we we can change the way we live, we don't buy our sun-dried tomatoes flown in from Kenya or whatever, but, but, you know, if, if, we, if, we're, if we're being asked to do those sort of things, then what's the government doing at the, at the centre? We better not start talking about air miles and food. We'll be here all day and we're running out of time. Uh, a change of tack. Peter Mandelson appeared on the Today programme uh, at ten past eight this morning, the prime spot. Astounding uh, statesman-like and conciliatory to me. Did either of you hear him? Um, I didn't. I was speaking to a, um, to a meeting about how Britain can be the best place to do business. Um, Excellent. Um, well, I can bring you the I good news that Mr. Mandelson said uh, that, uh, that uh, Gordon Brown had the qualities to be a great Prime Minister, yeah. and he was well, flattering uh, uh, to a considerable degree. You. you hear that, Larry? I, I didn't hear it, but it was, sounds very, um, uh, very welcome and a, a certain change of heart from what he was saying yeah. two days ago, which wasn't quite so considerate, was it? If you're rather expanding the normal brief of a European Commissioner. Well, he's still a domestic uh, politician. I thought he was on his best behaviour, so uh, uh, you're, you, missed, uh, you missed a bit of a treat. A treat. Uh, running okay. out of time, we've got Tony Blair's uh, a speech later today, his last as party leader and prime minister. Uh, what do you hope to find in it, Ed Balls? 
I think that we want to see um, the same desire for unity, which I'm sure we'll see and has been reflected all across the conference. And I think also um, him to, to, to say, which I think is, is very important, that Labour has proved itself to be a credible and, um, and progressive party of government and that we can manage a transition of leader which will strengthen Labour's ability to be a credible and progressive party of government. Larry. I think he should stand up at the end of his speech, call Gordon onto the stage, say here's the next leader of the Labour Party, the next Prime Minister, and then he should um, announce his going on Monday on the first day of the Tory party oh conference. And does Gordon have to kiss him? <laughs> well, it's up to Gordon, really. He's a very private man. I, well, I think Gordon will leave that to Cherie. I think probably that would be a wise move. I think we should leave it there, all this kissing. Thanks to uh, Ed Bulls, thanks to uh, Larry Elliott. Uh, we'll uh, be uh, here again tomorrow with uh, equally distinguished guests. Guardian Unlimited.